This is the Green Street News, the environmental health show and podcast. Patty and Doug Wood and our worldwide network of experts with your weekly update on what in the world is happening and how it may impact your health and well-being. Welcome back. The process by which a human life is formed is pretty miraculous. And considering all the things that could possibly go wrong, it's amazing that complex organisms like humans survive at all. Today on a special edition of Green Street News, we'll talk with author and children's health expert Patty Wood about environmental hazards and how new parents and everyone else can avoid some of the most common toxic exposures in our environment today. That's all coming up on this edition of Green Street News. Stay with us. The amazing process by which a few cells develop into a new life is truly a miracle. As if following some invisible instructions, the intricate and complex steps for the creation of a new life unfold, forming delicate organs and vital systems and making billions of important connections and patterns in the brain alone. Protecting a baby from any possible harm is a strong and natural instinct. Every stage of a baby's development will be affected by the choices parents make and the environment in which they live. Today, scientists and medical professionals around the world are working to understand more about how a developing human life is affected by environmental exposures in the food we eat, the air we breathe, the water we drink, and the surroundings in which we live and work. Today on Green Street News, we're going to dedicate this entire program to new parents. So if you are pregnant, thinking of becoming pregnant, or know someone who is pregnant, please listen up. Patty Wood is not only the co-host of Green Street News, but she's a visiting scholar at Adelphi University, where she lectures on the environment and related health issues in the College of Nursing and Public Health. Patty is the author of Helping to Heal, a book for parents of children with cancer and other life-threatening illnesses, and an award-winning syndicated columnist for a newspaper chain in New York. We started our conversation talking about the new kinds of environmental exposures that parents didn't have to worry about years ago, including radiofrequency radiation. And I asked Patty if she would talk about the BabySafe project. Yeah, I would love to. The BabySafe project is a project to educate pregnant women and their spouses about the potential risk of exposure to wireless radiation. We know that fetuses are very vulnerable. We've kind of gotten past that whole idea that there's this protection. Right, the the, the placenta protects the baby from environmental toxins. Exactly, and uh, we kind of have gotten past that and understand that, in fact, that is not true. So the the BabySafe project is about wireless radiation and how that may be impacting uh, a developing fetus. Wireless radiation being... Wireless radiation being any device that is putting out microwave radiation or RFR, radio frequency radiation. That could be cell phones, routers, you know, your laptop, your tablets, baby monitors, and so on. Anything that's wireless. Anything that's wireless. Anything out there that's wireless. So we had been to a lecture and heard Dr. Hugh Taylor, who is the head of reproductive sciences and OBGYN at Yale Medical School, talk about an experiment that he did. And that experiment showed that pregnant mice who were exposed to wireless radiation, and in this case it was from a cell phone, had offspring that exhibited signs of ADD, ADHD. They actually saw changes in the prefrontal cortex of the offspring that were different from their control group 
which were not exposed during fetal development. physical differences in the way the brain was Exactly, formed. exactly. There were actual physical differences in the prefrontal cortex, which is responsible for behavior. Hmm. So there was great concern about this and a feeling that it certainly um, should be something where we could go out and tell pregnant women to take precaution. In other words, better safe than sorry. So pregnant women already know, you know, not to drink alcohol. And not yeah, to I mean, pregnant women, they don't eat tuna fish sandwiches. They right. don't drink. They don't smoke. There are, you know, a, quite a few things that, that pregnant women are already aware of, and they make a special, special effort to reduce those exposures. How much science is out there about this? There's a report called the Bioinitiative Report, which is actually a compilation of studies that have been done over several decades about wireless radiation or microwave radiation. And we really started using this type of technology in the military, and it quickly became something incredibly convenient. And, you know, with the development of new technologies all the time, this seems to be the way we're headed. But the military likes to be careful about stuff. I know they're very careful about their nuclear Yeah, and in fact— They they want to be safe. That's right. In fact, they actually did studies, and they showed exactly the same thing, that one of the most significant effects of this type of radiation was on behavior. Mm. And that was way back, I think, in the early 60s. So we are just moving forward with this project in collaboration with Environmental Health Trust, which is headed up by Dr. Deborah Davis, who has been on our show a few times mm-hmm. talking about uh, wireless radiation she and especially book, she wrote the book Disconnect, right, right? Especially cell phone technology, mm-hmm. and it follows the precautionary principle perfectly, which is that when there is an indication of harm, that we take protective action even when we don't have scientific certainty. Yeah. And, you know, more and more we have to employ the precautionary principle because scientific certainty is harder and harder and harder to to come by today as industry begins to fund scientific research. Yeah, well, there's, you know, there's all kinds of research. There's research to get what you want, and then there's research to find things out. So what is a pregnant woman supposed to do about her cell phone? Well, everybody uses cell phones. So basic recommendations, do not carry it on your body. That's it. Just simple. Don't put it in a pocket. Don't carry it in your bra. Don't put it in a bag that you carry, you know, all the time over your shoulder if you're walking to and from work. Find another way to deal with that. And if you can't, if you can't find, you know, any other way to carry it, turn it off while you're walking to work so that it's not, you know, looking for, it's not actively looking for a signal. And and you don't want to put the laptop on your stomach. Do not put, do not use your belly as a, as a shelf you know, which is very commonly done um, for pregnant women. Do not use it as a shelf for your laptop or your tablet. All right. So this is on the web at babysafeproject.org, right? Yes. All the information. And right. So wireless radiation is clearly something that a pregnant woman should avoid, but it's certainly not the only exposure we worry about. One of the things that couples typically do when they find out that they're pregnant is uh, you know, let's decorate the baby's room. Which room is the baby going to go in? Let's get some new carpeting. Let's paint the walls. Let's, let's go out and get a new crib, yeah. new mattress, you know, bumpers and all that kind yeah. of stuff. So, Well, these are all, you know, these are all just typical things that people do. Um, you know, we have stores that are the size of Home Depot, you know, bye-bye baby, B-U-Y, B-U-Y, baby. <laughs> I mean, it's like crazy. But we do need to be careful, really careful, because a lot of new furnishings are outgassing chemicals, uh, and that includes... It includes carpeting, and it includes curtains, it includes bedspreads and bumpers, you know, uh, blankets and so on. First of all, anything that you buy brand new should be washed first. 
if it's washable, like, you know, blankets, sheets, mattress pads, whatever. That's number one. And even curtains, because curtains will have chemical sizing in them, and they may even contain formaldehyde as a a finishing chemical. So just wash everything that you buy that's new for that baby, number one. Really think carefully about whether or not you want to put a carpet in the baby's room at all. But if you do, don't buy a carpet, a commercial synthetic carpet and padding that contains formaldehyde and other chemicals that will off-gas. It's really tough to decide on an organic wool carpet because they're a little bit more expensive, but they are so worth it um, so that Mm. there are no chemicals outgassing and being inhaled by that newborn in that nursery. So do not do that. Carpeting is one of the biggest exposures. And it smells for a while, new carpeting. It it smells for a long time. You know, unless the windows are open all the time. Well, and that's another thing. I mean, if you have no choice but to buy synthetic carpeting, first of all, I just say that wood floors are your safest. But if you want to buy an area rug, you know, buy a wool one, an organic wool if you can, and make sure that your padding is also made from safe material, a safe wool pad. But if you're in an apartment and it's already carpeted and you have no, or it's just been newly carpeted, open windows. It's mm. really important to get some fresh air in there and start, you know, getting the uh, those toxins to outgas and go outside. What about painting the walls? We want to paint the painting walls. Painting is it's really or... simple today. I mean, just use not a low VOC, a no VOC paint. But even so, you'll smell wet paint for a while. Just open your windows, but use a no VOC paint. VOC stands for volatile organic compound, and we don't want any of those in an environment where a new baby will be. Right. Okay. And. And uh, what about furniture? We've got to go out and get a new crib? And- yeah, furniture, we want to avoid pressed wood, composite wood. We want to avoid anything that is made from these composite, what we call wood products. We really want to try when we are decorating the nursery to use only hard wood or solid wood furniture. You know, there are so many options today. I mean, you can go on eBay and you can buy a used crib, make sure that it's a beautiful solid wood used crib. You can buy that. It's probably going to be cheaper than, you know, one of these um, composite wood beds that you would buy at Ikea or home, you know. No plastic. Yeah, no plastic. No plastic, just solid wood is what you're really looking for. And what about the mattress that goes in? Mattress has got to be organic. It's got to be organic. And this is where you really want to just say, you know, I'm not going to go to Starbucks for a month. I'm going to give up my latte. I'm going to give up my latte and buy that organic mattress because your baby spends a lot of time in that crib in its first year or two of life. Linens in the blankets, I assume, is just, you know, just cotton, 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 cotton. Whenever you're buying anything for your baby, buy cotton. And organic cotton clearly is the best way to go. You know, cotton is, is one of the most heavily sprayed crops in the world. Uh, so if you can avoid regular cotton and buy organic cotton, once again, there are opportunities to buy, you know, lightly used cotton, organic cotton sheets and mattress pads and all kinds of things. What about the bumpers that go around the inside of the crib when you've got a newborn? Are, do they have flame retardants in them, and is that a concern? Not typically, but you also want to buy cotton for that, too. I mean, anything that in anything that's going to touch the baby, you want it to be breathable. I mean, you want that that baby to be super, super comfortable. I mean, it's really important that clothing be loose-fitting and cotton, organic if possible, and just comfortable. I mean, you want to put your baby in clothes that, that you're comfortable in. Just mm. think about that. What makes you most comfortable? Come home, throw on a pair of, you know, sweatpants or, you know, a T-shirt because you're comfortable in that. Don't 
constrict, you know, that baby's movement or put them in these synthetic, you know, non-breathable fabrics. I've heard you talk a lot about personal care products, you know, shampoos and conditioners and lotions. Should a pregnant woman be concerned about those? Well, a pregnant woman should be concerned even with what they're using while they're pregnant. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then, of course, after the baby is born, um, that's another consideration. But you should be very careful of the personal care products that you're using from, you know, from lotions, uh, skin lotions to shampoos and conditioners and makeup and everything else because these things that you put on your skin are very, very easily absorbed into the bloodstream. And of course, that goes directly into the baby. And so we're concerned that you not use chemicals that we know are harmful. And many of many personal care products, you know, they contain really harmful chemicals like phthalates in particular. A lot of phthalates are found in, in fragranced products. These are small molecule phthalates that are typically used. They're very cheap and they're typically used in fragrances to make the fragrance last longer. Mm. So try to find unfragranced products or products that are, that are scented with uh, natural essential oils. Much, much safer. They may not last as long, but they're much safer for you and for the baby. Yeah, it's funny you don't think about your skin as being such a, you know, an absorbent thing. You think of your skin as being somewhat resistant, but of course the skin patches deliver medicine now. So That's you, right. You, I mean, we 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 use nicotine patches, and yeah. we use you know we use patches to deliver medications over and, a period of time. And yeah. now that we know that the placenta, what we were talking about before, the placenta is not actually the barrier that we that many people thought it was for years. Mm-hmm. So you put. The, some lotion on your skin that's got some molecule that goes right into your bloodstream and, you know, two minutes later it's in your baby. That's right. So, I mean, it's very important to think about personal care products because you are applying them directly to your body. So just think about that too. There are a lot lot more manufacturers that are making 100% organic lines of cosmetics as well as shampoos and conditioners and so on. Um, But also some of the bigger manufacturers are looking at that. Although I must say, because there are no regulations, no federal regulations, we really need to do a little bit of homework. EWG, Environmental Working Group, you can go to ewg.org, and they have a cosmetics database. So you can actually look up the product that you are using. They have thousands of products on that Mm -hmm. database. You can look Mm -hmm. up the product that you are using, and they will tell you whether it's a carcinogen, whether it's an endocrine disruptor, whether it's a neurotoxin, whether or not um, it's an asthmogen. In other words, it you know can exacerbate asthmatic conditions. It's very important to be careful at this time of your life. And this is one of the things that you're going to really have to do. We should probably talk about baby food. I remember when our kids were little, to a certain extent, they ate what we ate, right? We that took, took our meal and put it, it through the, that's right. the baby mill or whatever that thing was I called. I mean, mothers have more choices today. I mean, obviously, you're going to, you know, that baby is going to be nursed or is going to be on formula for the first few weeks and months of life and hopefully longer, especially if you're breastfeeding. It's just the most wonderful thing ever for both mother and baby. But if that's not possible, certainly you have to be careful about the baby bottles that you're using. Make sure you're not using plastic. If you're using a baby bottle to to choose glass, glass baby bottles with silicone nipples. That's that's the formula. That's the simplest thing that and the simplest and the safest is glass baby bottles, silicone nipples. Well there was a big scare about BPA and 
in baby bottles. Yeah, do and not, that, you know, do not just... trust, do not trust a company that says, oh, we have these plastic bottles, but they're BPA free, because BPA free only means thing? that they have substituted another chemical, and it's most likely BPS, which is just as harmful, if not more harmful, than BPA. So glass bottles, silicone nipples. Okay, let's talk a little bit about water. I know a lot of people would probably think, well, I better not drink the tap water. I'll drink bottled water instead while I'm pregnant. Or maybe it's vice versa. Which Very hard. We've made it much more complicated than, well, bottled, it, than is, it used is to be. bottled water better generally than tap water? Well, not necessarily. Bottled water, you would have to actually see on the label of bottled water that it has been distilled, that it has been triple filtered, that it has been purified using reverse osmosis process. But you would have to see that something I've, I've has seen, been I've done. I've never seen that on a label. I'm, well, no, they do have. There There are bottled waters that actually do go okay. to that trouble to do okay. that. And so if you see that on a label, that's better than buying bottled water that says nothing. Uh-huh. Because if it says nothing, it's likely to be water that's just taken from a municipal water supply somewhere and not necessarily a, a safer municipal water supply than the one that you're using in your own home or your own apartment. Fluoride is a consideration. We do have fluoridated water in New York City. And there is a recommendation that you do not mix baby formula with tap water because of the fluoride in it. So at that point, I would probably filter my own to yeah, have that get, peace of mind. What kind of a filter do you get? get? Can you get one of those Either a reverse osmosis filter or a structured matrix filter. Those two are pretty are pretty good. Distillation is also good if you know the contaminants in your water, if you've had your water tested and you know which contaminants they are. And if they don't have the same boiling point as H2O, as, as water, then, then you're, you're good with distillation. But I think that you should probably try to do something in your own home to purify that water. And it's pretty easy to do. You can even do it in apartments because these are all under sink filtering um, devices. One of the other things people like to do is to clean the house, right? Baby's coming, so we're going to clean every inch of it. What about the cleaning products that people use? Well, this is good for us to know about just in general, but I think that we overdo this idea of, you know, sanitizing. So that's number one. We have to think about the disinfectants that we're using in our homes. It's really important to be careful about the use of chlorine-based products like, uh, you know, you have your scrubbing powders, your Ajax and Comet and all those things, as well as Clorox. Do you know that you actually can't buy Clorox in countries like Germany? It's illegal to sell Clorox. Um, because of its health concerns or yeah, its environmental Well, because, because it's harmful to breathe it in. It's a skin irritant. It's uh, irritating to the uh, mucous membranes and the, and the lungs. But even more importantly, once it goes out into the environment, winds up in our wastewater and then gets dumped into our surface waters, it can create trihalomethanes, which are really very potent human carcinogens. Hmm. What about cleaning products around the baby? I mean, just... Uh, cleaning any- products, I mean, just you can use things that we have been using for, you know, for generations, which is white vinegar. Um, it's a great cleaning product. And, you know, we can also use, you know, things like baking soda and so on. But, I mean, we do have manufacturers today like Ecovair uh, is one of them. It's a, a Belgian company. We have seventh generation. Um, there are more and more companies bio-clean. that are bioclean that mm-hmm. are beginning to understand that we can use really 
non-toxic, even food-grade ingredients in cleaning products and do the job just as well. They're going to be a little more expensive, I assume. Sometimes not. I mean, you know, these cleaning products are expensive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, so the natural cleaning products are, in when they're on sale, they're absolutely as cost-effective as, the, as their more dangerous counterparts. So what about air fresheners? I know a lot of people like to they get used to that chemical smell, and they put in, you know, plug in air fresheners. There's an air freshener that, that puffs every time you walk by. I know. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> air fresheners are particularly problematic. We really suggest that you do not use things like Febreze or plug in air fresheners like Glade and some of the other ones that you're familiar with. And even scented candles people use to, uh, you know, to, to mm-hmm. freshen the air. The best way to freshen your air is to open up your windows. That's the best way is to get fresh air inside. Once again, you can use, if you, if you really want to have a, a, a scent in your home, the use of essential oils are, you know, are much safer than using these chemical-based air fresheners that have the phthalates in them, which I spoke about before. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let me just ask you about laundry detergents. You talk a lot about the difference between liquid detergent and powdered detergent. What's the big deal there? Well, I'll talk about that in a minute, but just just the thought that there is always residue of detergents and even dryer sheet chemicals um, left in our clothing after we've put it through the washer and dryer. You can smell that. You can always smell it. So it never gets rinsed out completely. So remember where those pieces of clothing are going. They're going on our bodies. They're in our underwear and our socks and pajamas. and, And the same for our children, same for our babies. And we use towels to dry them off and they sleep on the sheets and, you know, they've got their faces right there. And so we're very concerned about not using fragranced laundry detergents. Very important that you do that. Or once again, if you want to put a little scent in it, you can just drip a, you know, a few drops of essential oil into the washing machine if you want to do that. There also are companies that make laundry detergents with essential oils. And so you don't have to you don't have to do that yourself. Dryer sheets are very problematic because those fragrances are really designed to last. It's a combination of petroleum-based products, and they actually leave an oily residue on the clothing, which actually makes it feel soft. So you're thinking that it's softening your clothing, but it's actually just leaving this oil, you know, this residue of this oily chemical-based solution on mm. your clothing. And it's, it literally lasts forever. The fragrance lasts forever. Inhalation is one of the roots of exposure, right? Yeah, so- inhalation. The three roots of exposure to environmental toxins, inhalation, skin absorption, which we talked about, and accidental ingestion. Um, babies just typically have their hands in their mouths all the time. And so anything that that baby is touching, even if it's your skin, even if it's your makeup, if it's the sheet that they're sleeping on, and then they stick their hands in their mouth, they are getting residues of those chemicals that you're using. The reason that we think that powdered laundry detergents rather than liquid laundry detergents are better is that the liquid laundry detergents contain a lot of different types of chemicals that we think are really problematic for our health. And they contain nonophenol compounds, which is really something that there's great concern about worldwide, because once those compounds get out into the environment, they actually are very, very strong endocrine-disrupting chemicals. And we're finding that fish in those bodies of water where there is sewage water outflow 
actually a hermaphroditic, so that they have both organs, sexual organs for both male and females within their bodies. So mm. there's a concern about that from an environmental perspective. Also, what is it doing to us? Well, how little we know about how these things... Well, know. how these chemicals work, not only individually, but in combination. So you look at the list of what's in these products, and you don't even see a complete list because it's not required by law that everything be listed on the label. But nobody, nobody's testing... And that's true of personal care products, too, not just cleaning products. Yeah. There's no law saying that they have to list all of those ingredients. But nobody's testing those synergistic effects. Nobody knows what happens if you use this chemical and that chemical together, right? That's I mean, right, and nobody knows what people are buying. I mean, you know, you can buy anything you want. You can buy anything you want and combine it. Yeah. Nobody knows. Okay, let's talk a little bit about getting outside. So I know there's been a lot of work done on prenatal exposure to diesel exhaust. Ricky Pereira up at Columbia University was doing some work on the impacts of uh, pregnant women who are exposed to diesel exhaust. Well, it wasn't just diesel exhaust. I mean, Dr. Frederica Pereira at Columbia University had done very, very important research on pregnant women and their exposures to environmental toxins and how it was impacting the neurological development of their babies. Mm -hmm. And they followed them from birth until, I think it's like six or seven years now since that study may even be more. And they're finding that exposure to typical things that you would find you know, in a city like PAHs, polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons, which are key combustion byproducts coming out of the backs of buses and trucks and cars and so on, even buildings, you know, that are burning fuel. We are seeing that those children whose mothers had the highest levels are having significant decreases in their cognitive function. And that's something to really be concerned about, is the exposure of these exhaust products. So you're talking about neurological development. Yeah, and we're talking about that's what they were really looking for mm -hmm. in that study, and they were finding it. It was also, they were exposed to pesticides, which are used commonly in buildings and also on parks and so on, and other typical things, but mostly air pollution, mostly air pollutants coming from, from PAHs. What do you do if you live in the city and you walk outside and you're, you know, the truck's going by? Well, what you do for sure is that you don't, you know, you don't stroll your baby along in their carriage or stroller right next to the, the curb, you know, wherever you can, you walk a little bit back from the edge of the sidewalk um, so that the baby is not being directly exposed to this by an exhaust pipe that's, sure. you know, within inches yeah. of their, uh, you know, of their strollers. Mm. So you have to be careful of that and also find routes where you don't have a lot of truck traffic or bus traffic or idling of vehicles. You know, you, if you live in a neighborhood, you get to know, you know, the traffic patterns around your neighborhood. You get to know, you know, when the garbage trucks are coming by and you, you get to know a little bit about when the safe times are to be walking around uh, in your neighborhood and find your way to the outside edges of the city where you have, in the case of New York City, you have you have water, which can, uh, you know, that open space will will help to clean the air. And there are parks and, and trees absolutely help to clean the air. So, so diesel exhaust, obviously, is not just a concern because of neurological development. It's, because no, it's a no, concern no. for lung cancer and yeah, for asthma. All kinds of things, all kinds of things, heart disease, lung cancer, breast cancer. They've all been associated with a higher exposure to diesel exhaust. And of course, diesel exhaust contains particulate matter, these little tiny microscopic pieces of 
particulate matter that we're also concerned about getting into those tiny little lungs. So you live in the city, you live in on, a, on a busy street, you open your windows to get fresh air, and in comes the particulate matter. Right. So can we have, do we, is there a, uh, an air filter yeah, that we can put you, in the Yeah, there are actually room? are air filters that you can put on your windows that, you know, and mm. there are, you know, special screens that you can put on your window that will, that will reduce those levels of particulate matter. And a HEPA air filter? Is that going to help you? Yeah, for some things, but not everything. Yeah. But certainly it's it's worth investigating. And, you know, you know your community. You know, you know the, the neighborhood that you're living in. You know what the problems are. Patty Wood, award-winning journalist, author, and visiting scholar at Adelphi University here in New York. Most of the issues that Patty talked about today are covered in depth on our nonprofit website, grassrootsinfo.org. That's all one word, grassrootsinfo.org. Pick any one of the many common exposures and common chemicals and learn more about ways to keep yourself and your family safe. That's going to do it for this edition of Green Street News. Special thanks to Patty Wood, to our engineer Josh Lyman, our associate producer Toby Ziegler, our social media director Donna Moss, and our marketing director Sam Seaborn. I'm Doug Wood. Patty and I will be back next week with another edition of Green Street News. Thanks for listening. <laughs>